Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. I expect to see miracles in my life. This understanding brings you to the place where you know that nothing can overtake you. Nothing that goes out of control stays out of control. When you have this revelation of what the gospel does, you would understand that even when things go funny, you have what it takes to bring it back to alignment. Why? Because the believer is never without help. And the truth of the matter is, even if you did not know anybody, even if you were alone here, you still are not without help. Because there is something inside of you that is potent enough to cause help to rise from your inside. Oh, I want you to catch this revelation. You have all that it takes to bring your world together. You know, I, I have been in situations whereby things go south and then I'm asking myself, what is the next thing to do? Sometimes I might even feel overwhelmed at the moment. But when I remember who I am, sometimes I even have to listen to my own messages again. I did that recently. When I remember who I am, I go back to my knees and I activate my words. And I begin to speak creation into my circumstances. And then shortly after that, the answers come. Hey, child of God, you are never without help. Are you following what I'm saying? You must know this, that even when nobody is there to hold hands, you know, the, I, I believe in the prayer of agreement where the Bible says, if two or three shall agree. Sometimes your faith is not, is not yet there and it feels like somebody else is in a better place to support you and then you hold hands with someone to pray for you or you put a call through, pastor or friend, please pray for me. But even when there is nobody around you to help you out in the place of prayer, you must know that your words are potent enough. The Bible says faith collect those things that be not as though they were. And eventually you begin to see what you pray for. It's just a matter of time. So you are never without help. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can we say that together? Let's say greater is he that is in me than he that is what? In the world. I am never without help. So, let's begin with the scripture, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. I want to show you something there. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let's see verse 6. I want to prove to you that the hearing of faith is the gospel here. Now look at verse 6. It says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached what? The gospel. Preach 
the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So it's telling you that this faith we're talking about, the hearing of faith, is the gospel. Because the faith that Abraham um, exuded when he says, I believe God, or God, I believe you because of what you have said. It was the hearing of the gospel that produced the faith in Abraham. Are you still here? It was when Abraham heard the gospel that faith was stirred up in his spirit. One day, um, 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 God said to Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. God had told Abraham, I'll do, you know, out of you will come for the seed and it would be multiplied to the, through the nations of the earth. And it took a while and eventually God caught covenant with Abraham. But you know, when Abraham heard the gospel, it produced faith. No wonder the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God there is the gospel. So you've been hearing the gospel in this house and you are bound to see miracles in your life. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm so, I expect to see miracles. I don't expect to see my routine play out just the way I have planned it. I leave space in my mind to say, God, I want you to go beyond my planning. I want you to go beyond my orchestrations. And I want you to show yourself in here because I know you are able to disrupt the plans and the orchestrations of man. And you know how to just come in and make things right. Praise God. So God told me that people are going to experience miracles. Miracles. All kinds of miracles. Somebody say, I experience miracles. Say it again. Say, I expect miracles. Hallelujah. So by the hearing of faith, and that is the way we get the miraculous in our spirit. There was no time Jesus was stranded in the Bible. No time. I looked through the scripture. Was there any time Jesus needed aid? Well, there was a time where he needed his disciples, I think, three of them to pray with him. But at that time, they couldn't pray with him. So he went and he said, why can't you watch with me for one hour? Even at that point, he went back again to himself or to God, alone with God, and he began to pray. Jesus, who knew that he came to die, this was his mission, his life's mission. And when the point came for him to die, he became overwhelmed. But God needed to do something there. So I never saw in the place where Jesus was stranded. Never. When Peter was recounting to Cornelius and he said to Cornelius, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. That experience was the experience where the Holy Ghost descended on Jesus while he was baptized by John the Baptist. And I looked at it. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. How did the Holy Spirit come? In the fashion of a dove. It wasn't a dove that came upon Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus. But it landed upon Jesus as though it was a dove landing on the floor. So the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. But before the release of the Holy Spirit, there was an affirmation of God's love. So there was a loud voice that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I thought to myself that before you see the release of the Holy Spirit, the release of the power of God, 
there has to be a loud affirmation in your spirit of the love of God. So if it happened to Jesus, you must be conscious about it. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus is standing in the river Jordan and the Holy Spirit descends upon him after there is a, or wise there is a proclamation of this is my beloved son in whom I'm well placed. What is the love of God? The love of God is the message that the gospel preaches. So I've realized that the gospel releases the power of God. So if I'm conscious of the gospel, I see the power of God released in my life. If you want to see the supernatural work in your life, all you need to do is be conscious that you are loved. Be conscious that you are loved. When you are conscious that you are loved, you will see supernatural walking through you. So no place in the Bible was Jesus stranded. No place. No place. That's the reason why you cannot be stranded. Because he has lavished his love on you. He has poured his love on you. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5. I think it's in chapter 5. It says that hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. So that the day you forget that you are loved, the Holy Spirit just keeps reminding you, I'm loved, I'm loved. I'm, because I am loved is the key to the release of the supernatural. That's Romans chapter 5, I think from verse 2. Okay, from verse 5 down. It says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out. Somebody say poured out. You know, if you, if you look at the, the tense in which this word poured out was used, the word poured out is used as though something was wasted. It feels like something was lavished. God took his love and he lavished it on you. He poured his love. So we cannot use the word waste in the sense of waste. But he, he poured it. That is, how do you put it now? There is excess change. Okay? There is so much more that the love of God can do. Uh, which goes beyond what you need. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. That, that is if you stand in a position where you need something from God his love for you goes beyond your needs his love for you goes beyond your demand supply is more than demand here because his love has been poured I wish I can look at the let me look at my Greek Bible to see the meaning of this word poured uh, let's see together um because the love of God has been shed. So the King James Version says shed. It says shed abroad. So let's see the Greek meaning. Alright. It says to pour forth. To bestow. Now another uh, meaning says. Run greedily out. To spill. It also means to gush out. So the love of God gushed out. That is, God wasn't stingy with his love when it comes to you. And this is the basis for the supernatural. <laughs> Don't think he's praying midnight hour prayers. Those prayers are not bad because those prayers may help you become conscious of what you have. So there's nothing wrong with those prayers. But you see, the foundation of the supernatural is the love of God. And the prayer you pray makes you more awakened to his love. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. 
I'll give you an example. Jesus was about to be crucified. And before he got there, he was in the garden called Gethsemane. And he was praying. His sweat was almost like blood. The Bible speaks of the fact that that overwhelming feeling he had was like he was having sorrow leading as if he was going to die from sorrow. So what then happened? You see Jesus overcoming an emotional breakdown just by the reaffirmation of his father's will for him. That's why the book of Hebrews says that, Lo, I have come in the volume of the books to do your will, O God. He knew the will of God all along. But when he was in that place of prayer, he was reassured of what his father thought about him. And that energized him to go beyond the emotional heartbreak. So the healing that you're looking for comes from the place where you're able to draw love from your father. And you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you alone at that point. That's why the Bible says that hope does not disappoint because the love of God is gushing out or the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to you. Somebody say amen. amen. So you have the Holy Spirit and the love of God is the basis for the supernatural. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. Look at this. It says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Next verse. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. Now, when we talk about unclean spirits leaving people or unclean spirits leaving, I don't want your mind to stay with a picture of deliverance. Because so many of you, so many of you when, when you hear unclean spirit leaving, you think about that lady who has attachment, who is fair, that the pastor is always doing deliverance, and then you think about falling under the anointing. So that's not the only thing or that's not the only thing that defines unclean spirit leaving people. Sometimes unclean spirit can leave places. Sometimes unclean spirit can leave houses. Sometimes unclean spirit can leave domains. So when we say unclean spirit leaving, it means that you have authority over unclean spirits. It means that when you get there, no voice has the power to be prevailing because you are there. No voice. It's impossible. The moment you get to a place, everything that is working in that atmosphere stops to work because you are there. You start to spoil business for principalities and powers because you come in there. The Bible says that if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, it means the kingdom of God has come unto you. So that means when you walk into a place, it's the kingdom of God that comes in there. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. If you walk into a place, it's the Holy Ghost, is the, the power of the Most High through you that dispels negative airs, negative atmospheres, negative rules, negative rulerships, lordships, 
by demonic spirits. You come in there and you take charge. You drive out unclean spirits. And you know what? Many times you don't even need to say go. Your presence makes them go. Don't think they don't know you. Don't think they don't know your name. Don't think demons don't know you. They even know when you are passing. And they clear the road when you are passing. You guys are looking at me like you don't even understand. See. When you walk into a place. You must be conscious. That there are supernatural wavelengths. And you have the highest legitimacy of voice. That's why the Bible says that we are seated far above principalities. They are still here. But you are above principalities and powers. There was a day I was traveling to Lagos from Benin. And I saw in the spirit, I saw an angel. He was standing from where I was. I was going by road. I was a student. Maybe my 200 level then. I was going to Lagos. And I took a bus. I saw an angel so tall. One leg was where I was. Another leg was where I was going. That means from where I was to where I was going, there was covering. I saw it. Sometimes, you know what needs to happen? God needs to open your eyes to see the angels that are surrounding you. To know that you are not just an ordinary being. My father one day was driving and then his car parked. He, he just stopped. to. He was traveling. He was going by road with my mom. And he stopped by to get something. And when he stopped, he got what he wanted to get. He walked back into the car. And just while he was about to enter the car, his eyes got open to see a chariot of angels. And some of them had power bikes in his imaginations. But the angels were there. They were lined up. Hey, listen to me. God opened the eye of Gehazi. When Gehazi said, these people who are with us, I mean, these people who are against us are more. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes so that he sees that there are more with us than there are against us. And the Bible says that God opened the eyes of Gehazi. He saw angels all around. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that God surrounds Jerusalem with his angels. It says as, as, as he surrounds Jerusalem, so does he surround those who fear him. That was the Old Testament. How much more in the New Testament? And the Bible says that you have not come unto Mount Sinai, but you have come unto Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels. Hey, there are angels around you. Do you understand it? There are angels who watch over you, who guard you. There are angels who do things just in your favor. There are angelic activities for you. Praise God. So the supernatural is here. Peter was in the prison one day. An angel came and delivered him through many gates. And he was, it's as if he was daydreaming. The, the moment he got to the place where, he, uh, where the people were praying for him for deliverance from prison, he knocked the door. When he knocked the door, they came to open the door. Um, they ran back. She, the small girl ran and told them that what you are praying for has answered. The people who were praying said it's a lie. That's a proof that sometimes when we're praying, we don't even believe what we're praying. Come on, you must believe that God loves you enough. 
Somebody say, God loves me. You must believe that you are loved, that nothing is too good for you. That when you pray and you trust him to do great things for you, expect it. Expect it. Look at your neighbor and say, expect it. Expect the miraculous. Expect the supernatural. Some of us have thrown our prayer points through the window because we don't feel that God would do it again. Hey, can I give you a very good advice? Stop judging your expectation with other people's experiences. Make sure your expectation of what God is about to do for you has nothing to do with another man's experience. Let another man's experience be his experience. Let your experience be founded in the gospel. Hallelujah. Some of us are praying for things and we want things to happen and we're saying, but see what, I mean, look at, look at what happened to that man of God. If it can happen to a man of God, who am I? Me that I've not even started. Then who am I? Come on, keep your eyes on Christ. Do you know the business between that man of God and God? Somebody was saying Epaphroditus. You know Epaphroditus in the Bible. Epaphroditus was sick. Nearly sick to death. And then you are a believer who is saying, if Epaphroditus, who was a co-laborer of Paul, a co-worker of Paul, can be sick nearly to death, then who am I not to be sick? Can't you focus on those who are not sick in the Bible? Can't you pay attention on the apostles who are not sick? Can't you focus on Peter? Can't you focus on Paul who was not sick? Nothing intimidated Paul. Nothing. Keep your eyes. In fact, Paul said, Paul said when he was writing to the Philippian church, because Epaphroditus was a man who um, the Philippian church sent aid to Paul while Paul was in uh, Rome in, uh, in the prison. It was house arrest. So he took the gift from the uh, Philippian church and he gave it to, to uh, Paul. But in the, in the course of taking care of Paul, Epaphroditus got sick and he almost died. And Paul said, God had mercy on Epaphroditus. He spared me from sorrow upon sorrow by giving Epaphroditus healing, supernatural healing. And when I looked at that scripture, it says, I think it's somewhere in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 25 down to verse 27. When I look at that scripture where the Bible says God had mercy on Epaphroditus, how was the mercy displayed? It was displayed by healing someone from terminal illness. So that was the mercy of God at work. So when we pray for the mercy of God, it's not as if God doesn't have mercy on you already. But it is the literal hand. It is the vital hand of God in your presence where we say God has mercy on you. So there's nothing wrong with praying for the mercy of God. He said, Lord, I, I receive your mercy today. Why does the Bible say that your mercies are new every morning? His mercy is his delivering hand. Sometimes I go to pray for people. Some of them are probably on the dying bed. And the only thing that I remember to pray is, Lord, your mercy. Your mercy. Not because the person is not forgiven, but Lord, your mercy. So God had mercy on him and spared him. And you know what the Bible says? It says that we are vessels of mercy. He said, we are vessels. In Romans chapter 9, he says, you are a vessel of mercy. That is, God has chosen you to say, you are going to be my object of display of mercy. 
That is whenever people want to look at the mercy of God and describe what it looks like. They just need to look at your life. I'm, I'm an embodiment of the mercy of God. What is mercy? What you deserve that should come to you which is bad has been averted and it doesn't come to you. And what you don't deserve but because of his own gracious benevolence he brings it to you. So mercy is getting what you don't deserve. And also not getting what you deserve. Mercy. I expect the supernatural. Hallelujah. I expect the supernatural. This week I expect the supernatural. I mean there are all there are relationship miracles. Healing miracles. Financial miracles that are about to happen in your life. Who is expecting it? Sometimes I just look at my phone and I expect a lot. Sometimes I just expect good news and they come around because the Bible says he grants the desires of the righteous. The expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. Who expects here this evening? I'm not trying to build your hope and give you false hope. No, you are sitting on the word of God. You are staying on the word of God. So say with me, I expect supernatural. I expect the miraculous. I expect good news. Good things are coming my way. Somebody say amen. Not every time bad, 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 bad. If sometimes you need to purify your mind. Just purify your mind with the way you think. Expect what is good. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. Whatsoever things are pure. Think on these things. Stop thinking about your deficiencies. Stop thinking about what you don't have. Stop thinking about what has not been right yet. You might be overwhelmed, but listen, expect the best from God. That's why the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. Jesus expected the best. He was that one seed who was buried. Except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it's buried, it bears much fruit. He was that one seed that was buried on the ground. And when he rose up, many sons came back to glory with him. And you and I are those sons unto glory with him. I expect the best. You might be in your crucifixion time right now, but expect the best. One preacher said, from pain, you see the release of power. Pain, power. I expect the best. So let's keep reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 6 and verse... What verse are we? Move to verse 7. For unclean spirits cry with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed... And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. When, miracle, when miracles start to happen in your life, you cannot control the joy. Hallelujah. There is great joy in your life. Can you say with me, there is great joy in my life. My life is filled with joy. I'm happy in the Lord. Come on now. I'm happy in the Lord. Amen. Do you want to display that right now? Just show that you're happy in the Lord. I'm 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 happy in the Lord. You know, I, I've learned to count my blessings and name them one by one. But I've moved beyond just counting my blessings and naming them one by one. I've learned to see who I am in Christ. 
because that is a more sure word of prophecy. That's a more sure word for my joy. I mean, I appreciate God for the blessings because they will not stop coming. They will keep coming and coming and coming. And from one hill to another. This is your life, oh. This, do you know there is, there is, there is the you that, is, that cannot wait to see you. There is the you that cannot wait to experience you. There is a you in your future that is saying just keep coming. Just keep walking because there is something that you are about to see. There is a you that is saying listen to me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hallelujah. God told me tonight that there will be relationship miracles. There was a day I was ministering in my school back then while I was in the university. It was a Sunday service and I said to the congregation, I said, God is about to heal homes. God is about to restore homes. And then I went back to my hostel. And the next week, one of the members of the fellowship came and said, Pastor, while you were preaching that day and you said, God is about to restore homes. I took that word for myself. And this week, my father, who had separated from my mother for about 17 years, called from nowhere and says he wants to come back home. 17 years of separation. 17 years. Young boy just took the word. I heard the word. I believed it. And that settles it. Listen to me. It did not happen when you heard it. It happened when he said it. But when you hear it, you apply it and you bring it to yourself. That boy ran with that word. So God told me that there's going to be relationship restorations. Relationship miracles. You know, even people who have relationships that are supposed to be profitable unto marriage. Before you know it, something happens. The devil comes in between and then the relationship scatters and you can't even really hold the relationship. You do everything. You try your best. You say, I'm not going to do what I did in the last one. And you, you truly will not do it, but it will still scatter. But God says that I'm bringing wholeness to your relationship. I mean, I heard it very clearly. If I didn't hear it, I, will, I won't tell you I heard it. I heard it clearly. God says I'm bringing relationship miracles. Some relationships that have broken, that are not supposed to break, are coming back. That's what God said to me. I'm not talking about the one that should really spoil. Because there are some that have broken and should not come back again. Because that was deliverance. <laughs> that was deliverance. But I'm talking about the ones that you know. These are love relationships. God is mending love relationships. Between father and child. Between mother and child. Between siblings amongst each other. Between husband and wife. God is bringing relationships. Between potential husbands and potential wives. God is restoring relationships. Miracles are about to happen. He told me. So expect it. Somebody say, I expect it. Expect it is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So let's keep reading. Acts chapter 8 and verse. Acts chapter 8 and verse. What verse are we now? Verse 9, it says, but there was a certain man. Now, you know, Philip came and then he, while he was preaching, there were signs and wonders, miracles. Um, all of that happened. But see what happened. In this city, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. Somebody say sorcery. What is sorcery? That's witchcraft, right? He practiced sorcery 
in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. <laughs> Next verse. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. This is sorcery. This is witchcraft. Just think about this. Somebody who is operating in demonic powers is able to control both the great and the small. Sorcery. Both the great and the small. Someone who is operating in powers that are not of God is able to control both the educated and the illiterate. Is able to control both the rich and the poor. Sorcery. That means that the supernatural, or should I put it this way, the spiritual controls the natural. That regardless of your status, you will be under the influence of this sorcery. Regardless of your, your status. You know, I used to think that education had a way of shielding you from demonic activity. I used to think that the more school you went to, the less you fall prey to village powers. I didn't know. <laughs> you see, but I've come to see that regardless of your professorship or regardless of your wisdom in this present world, if you do not know God, you will fall prey to the plans of Satan. Small house girl who is possessed will show you pepper <laughs> in the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who is just, just needs to have little tinge of being possessed. Not high power possession. Just one of those demons that don't have full responsibility. You know all those demons that don't do, those demons that do 9 to 5. Those ones are for national problems. Then those demons that don't have employment. Those ones that don't tie their ropes properly on their shoe. And Satan is like, you, what are you doing there? I don't have no work. Oh yeah, go and meet that brother there. All those jobless demons. Let's just imagine all those jobless demons. Your education has no shield against spiritual power. Because the Bible says that Simon, who was a sorcerer, was controlling both the great and the small. Supernatural power. Until a man called Philip showed up. And while he was teaching, unclean spirits began to live. Even the sorcerer believed now see, he says, look at verse, verse 11. Go back to verse 11. He says, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. Verse, verse 13, next verse. Okay. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Next verse. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. And was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Listen to me. Miracles are about to be done through your hands. Who is saying amen to that? Miracles are about to be done through your hands. God is working special miracles through you. Hey, the Bible says that God wrought special miracles through Paul. That even his aprons were healing the sick. Even his aprons, his handkerchief began to heal the sick. I give you a testimony of a young man who serves in this hotel here. I finished the Sunday service and then I left my handkerchief. I think it was wet. And I just left it there. And I picked a new one. 
And the man saw everybody had gone. And he came. He saw. He says, this is the handkerchief pastor used. He took it. He didn't use it to, to wipe his face. He took it. Took it to the house. Told his wife. He says, this is pastor's handkerchief. We trust God for favor. The hardship is enough. We trust God for favor in this house. In a few weeks, God started to open doors. So he felt guilty. He said, Kai, if I don't come back to tell pastor, I'll feel like I stole from pastor. <laughs> so let me come back to tell pastor that I stole your property. Maybe that property is supposed to be working for pastor now. <laughs> now I've carried it. So he came and he, he reported himself at the, at the gate. One day I was exiting there. And I said, no, no, no. That's not where the power is. But God led you to have faith that even what I held, what I touched, was expelling the power of God. And I said, go, it's fine, it's fine. Go. You will see more in your home. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know what you do, but maybe you're a cook and you're using your plates, your pots. Your pots are filled with the power of God. Your plates are filled with the power of God. You are a vendor and you begin to serve people food. All of a sudden, their consciousness towards God is realigned again. Just from food. And they're wondering, where is the connection coming from? They don't even know how to trace it. But it's the power of God coming from what you do. The miraculous. The Bible says when Jesus was praying, that the raiment of his garment began to change. Even his countenance began to shine. Jesus. Everything was altered. Light all over his body. There was a day my father was praying and I woke up. I mean, I woke up early in the morning. I knew he had been praying because I was asleep. I hear his voice. Just whisper because my room was just a little bit beside his room. And then I woke up in the morning. I looked at his eyes. I saw fire in his eyes. When he was talking to me, he said to me, Son, before people heard my voice, but now they are going to hear your voice. As they hear my voice. I looked at him. And when he said it, he didn't even look at me. No eye contact. But he was looking as though he was somewhere else when he was saying. I felt like the power of God came upon me that day. Hallelujah. See, sometimes when you are operating in the supernatural and the Holy Ghost takes over your action, you would know that something is happening here. You will know you are walking by the Spirit of God. Sometimes when you are talking, you will know you are not just speaking, but you are speaking by the Spirit of God. There was a day in school, in the university back then. Uh, my, my room was here, and um, there's a man called Obi Shine. I don't know if you know Obi Shine. Obi Shine is one of my friends. He came to school and then visited me. You know, um, we were just having a very nice conversation. And all of a sudden, we started playing around songs. You know, you know how people who know how to sing will just play around, try to show your voice, show your skill. Choir members would understand this. Just want to show your show yourself. You know what I mean? And then I would do my own. Then I, then one would say, Can you do this one? He would do. And then I would follow. And then we became four. We became six. We became nine. Guess what happened? As we were playing, I can't forget that day. As we were playing around our voices, the Holy Ghost came down in the room. Excuse the tense that I used, the Holy Ghost came down. The power of God filled the room. And what was like a joke became an encounter. Hey God. Almost all of us fell under the power with ourselves. I cannot forget that day in the room. We were drunk 
And when we looked at the time, four hours had passed. We did not know. Praise God. <laughs> Something I remember. When I went for my introduction. When I went for my introduction. I went to see my father-in-law for the first time. For the first time. And it was supposed to be a conversation. I feel like your attention is more. <laughs> it was supposed to be a conversation. Normal conversation. Who are you? Nice to meet you. I'm getting to know you. All right. I heard this about you. Tell me more about yourself. That's what I, I went there for. But a night before, I was in my hotel room. And the Holy Spirit told me that it's going to be a different kind of meeting. So I was prepared. I was in a sober mood. Not sober because I was afraid. So for all the guys, God has given you the ability to have liver. When you're about to meet your potential father-in-law. Say amen. amen. So I wasn't sober because I was afraid. I was sober because I was expectant of something. I had heard of him before. Now he's a very different kind of prophet. The moment I walked in, we started talking. And by the time we were done with the introduction, I was baptized three times in the Holy Ghost for what was seemingly going to be an introduction. We took communion together. <laughs> introduction. We took communion together. We broke bread together. I was anointed afresh again. I felt the of God come upon me again. His words were like, do you know that we did not eventually talk about let me know who you are. It was when I was on my way back and so you say that this is who, this is what you do. This. Hours had passed and then he was still prophesying. Listen to me. Do you know that you can take charge of offices? <laughs> you can take charge of places. You can take charge of domains. You walk into the office and your boss doesn't listen. Just, just do what you know how to do. And that thing that is on top of him is dealt with. So you have removed it and left him bare. So the man you are dealing with is the raw man. Because you stripped him of his powers that is giving him the ebullience to do what he's doing. Oh, I can't forget. There are memorable encounters that I cannot forget in my life. So I expect miracles in my life. I want to show you something. I don't know why I just keep deviating. Let's keep going. Keep moving. Acts chapter 8 and verse. Yeah, verse 13. Keep going. Verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard what Samira had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Next verse. Who when they had come down prayed for them. Next verse. I want to show you something. The next verse. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Somebody said they received the Holy Spirit. Next verse. And when Simon saw, that's that sorcerer now, he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money. See what is about to happen here. Next verse. Saying, give me this power also. That anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 
Can you imagine that? But Peter said to him, watch this, watch this. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now look at verse 21. It says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Someone is in the seat of demonic activity. But let me show you something. Look at the next verse. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. 23. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. Listen to me. Many times when you struggle with unforgiveness and bitterness, it can be possibly the seat of demonic activity. Because this man called Simon was the one who took captive of the nation, I mean of the city, Samaria. And when Peter was explaining the state of his heart and the state of his spirit, he said, I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. And you are bound by iniquity. Another category of people who try to do what is right but always go back to what is wrong. It seems as though there is a stronghold that doesn't keep you on the right path. It seems like you want to do what is right but something is always drawing you. I'm not talking about the flesh because everybody has to deal with the flesh at some point in his life. No matter how born again you are, the flesh will still be there. It is up to you to listen to the voice of the flesh or not. So the voice of the flesh, you have power over the voice of the flesh. But I'm talking about people who it feels like addiction. It feels like there is a pool that they cannot deliver themselves from. Sometimes it can be demonic activity. But see what the Bible says. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. So when I see patterns of grudges that cannot be settled of unforgiveness that cannot be dealt with in the heart of people. Sometimes it can be demonic activity. You see, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. This is the reason why you must never let resentment settle in your heart. Because that's an inroad. The Bible says that wherever there is strife, there is all manner of evil work. You are indirectly giving room for the devil to come in and penetrate and do what he wants to do. That is the reason why you must never, please hear this, you must never tell yourself that there is somebody I can never forgive. Pastor, preach forgiveness all you like. But you see this person? <laughs> Sworn enemy. From now until Jesus comes. There is just, if you ask me to give, I will give. If you ask me to... To, to worship, I will worship. If you ask me to serve in the church, I will serve in the church. But if you ask me to love, I will love my enemies. But there is this one person that I will never forgive. Sometimes that could be demonic activity. You know, so when it says that you are poisoned, you are poisoned by bitterness. This sorcerer who was controlling a city was in the gall of bitterness. So you must never allow Strife, bitterness. Because those things are dangerous. 
they are poisonous to your spirit. But God has given you not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. So I expect the miracles. Peter came, miracles were wrought. By the laying on of hands, the Holy Ghost was coming upon people. In those days when we were captivated by the laying on of hands, it was like fun. We were looking for those who were not filled with the Holy Spirit to practice. When we just got filled with the Holy Spirit back then, we just got, it, it was something of, it was like we were drunk by the exercise of just getting people filled. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Come, come, come. Then we'll start. Before you know it, bam! There was a friend of mine who came to visit me in school. And then he did something. I saw it. Honestly speaking, I thought it was a demonic power. Even though that I knew him, <laughs> I would have believed it was a demonic power. He said, watch what I'm about to do. I said, what do you want to do? Someone just stood up and was walking towards the door. He did like this. And the person almost hit his head. And I said, what did you do? He said, he said, just watch. Don't tell the person. Just watch. He did like this again. And the person staggered again. This one, I saw it with my eyes. I said, this is another dimension of power. We were drunk. We were captivated by the exercise of just getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. We didn't necessarily do it out of love. We just did it because we can do it or we could do it. But now we know better. We get you filled with the Holy Spirit because we want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're not lacking in any good thing. Hey, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about and he was doing good. Do you know the Holy Spirit? You carry the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. You carry the Holy Ghost. If people are doing it for fun, why don't you use it for your needs? We did it for fun. We played with it. We, we, we toiled with it and God just had mercy on us. We messed with it. But now we know better. We use it for what is more profitable. And you have the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Say with me. Say, I have the Holy Ghost. Do you believe you have the Holy Ghost? Everything bows to the power of the spirit that is in, at work inside of you. Everything bows to the power of the spirit that is at work in you. Paul prays for the church. He says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power that is at work in you. Which he wrought in Christ Jesus when he raised him up from the dead. And he sat him at the right hand of God. And the Bible says that he has raised you up together with him. He has given all authority to the church. He has given all dominion to the church. And he has put all things under his feet which is the church that means as it is under the feet of Jesus it is also under the feet of the church and you and I are the church listen to me Satan is under your rule Satan is under your feet oppression is under your feet confusion is under your how can you be confused how can you be confused? Confusion, uncertainty is under your feet. Weakness is under your feet. The moment where you feel like you are helpless, just re-engage and know what to do. 
I know what to do. I just need five minutes. I know what to do. And then you begin to ledo shkabaya. You just begin to talk yourself. You begin to speak who you are. And then something comes alive on your inside. And you begin to see. The moment you do that, 50% of the problem is solved. I know who I am. I know who I am. How can you be stranded? I know who I am. I know who I am. You keep speaking those things. Paul says, what can separate me from the love of Christ? He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities can separate me from the love of God. Paul could not be intimidated by death. Death could not intimidate Paul. A prophet came and told Paul that I perceive in the Holy Spirit that you are going to die. And Paul said, I know. And I'm not intimidated. In fact, the prophet took his belt and he bound. And he said, the person who owns this belt is going to be like this person that I just bound. And Paul said, see, Agabus had the vision. But Paul had spiritual intelligence. In other words, he had the meaning of the vision. He knew what the vision was about. So if Paul could not be intimidated by death, you cannot be intimidated by anything. Somebody say, I cannot be intimidated. I want you to know that you have all power in your hands. I'm powerful. Say this after me. Say, I'm powerful. Ita, come and help me on the piano. Say, I'm powerful. Look at your neighbor. Say, you are powerful. We're going to pray in the Holy Spirit for five minutes. And as you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is going to give you pictures in your spirit. Things are going to break forth in your spirit. Hallelujah. Jump on your feet, everybody. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. How many of you expect to see the miracles pouring out in your life? How many of you? Fantastic. I don't know whose word this is, but just like Mary, the angel of the Lord said, the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will conceive of a son. You will give birth. Even though you are a virgin, you're going to give birth. I hear a word in my spirit that the impossible is about to become possible right now. Who here has been believing God for something that you've given up on? But it says the impossible is about to become possible. You might be watching wherever you are. I'm telling you the power of God is coming upon you where you are. The Holy Ghost is coming upon you where you are. And somehow you're going to see possibility. You're going to see possibility from impossibilities. From the mountains you will see possibility. From the valleys you will see possibility. From your storm you will see glory. From your pain you will see power. From your weakness you're going to see strength. I don't know who you are. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj. 